What's up, y'all? It's your host, Sensei NK. Uh, I'd like to say thank y'all for listening to my last episode. And if you want to support my podcast and future endeavors that I want to go on, hit the support button. I highly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. What's up, y'all? Thank y'all for listening. This is going to be a great episode. There's going to be... We're, you know what? Let me, let me have a rundown on all the topics we're going to talk about today. For one, we're going to talk about defunding the police. We're talking about the origins of police. The Fugitive Slaves Act, Reconstruction, the 13th Amendment, police thinking they're above the law, deregulation, the wheel of the broken windows theory, and so many other things. And today, I have my guest. Hi, my name is Greta. I've been in two prior episodes. Um, my Instagram is at Greta E. Cross. That's, that's it. Fair enough. Okay. Should I spell it out? No. Oh, it's not that serious. Okay. Um, my friend, my friend DM'd me. Uh, was talking about, was talking about uh, why should we defund the police? They do so much good work. Da 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 da. Who? There, there are people too. We shouldn't demonize and shit like that. And I'm like, huh? You're capping. <laughs> you're, you're you're wrong. You're wrong. You're so wrong. Actually, it's not in the that. It's not even that I thought he was wrong. It was more like you're ignorant. You're so ignorant to the things that you just, you don't understand. And I'm like, hmm. Even from the beginning, I believe that police had way too much power under their hands. Because in a sense, they're really above the law. If you really think about it, because who are you going to call the police on? The police? <laughs> what sense does that make? <laughs> just, 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 just think about that. And the fact that there's... There's already so much corruption in it, especially, especially how they target, how they target minority people. And I think, I think we need to, we need to note it. We do notice. We do know that everyone does know that, but we need to at least address it, address, address well, it. I would hope everyone. <laughs> we at least need to address it because of to see a problem and fix a problem. We need to at least acknowledge there is a problem. Instead of just throwing it under the bus saying it is what it is, mm-hmm. which is such a toxic thing to do, but that's beyond the point. But yeah, speaking on police, if you run it back and like actually see what it is, like mm-hmm. if you if you think of the origins of the police, you'll know that they're slave tra- like they're slave patrol. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people don't know what slave patrol is. Um, in a sense, there if if a slave would run away, they would send the slave patrol to get them and bring them back right to receive punishment and things of that nature also i think okay i think we should go more in depth what do you think it's your podcast of course <laughs> but yeah we i think go go more in depth for those for others that don't understand I- yeah, so the slave patrols were prominent prior to what I'm about to speak about, but they were most, in my opinion, uh, most prominent during um, the Fugitive Slave Act, which was initiated um, in order to keep, well, it was, it was initiated after the whole ordeal of um, the North and the South constantly trying to balance out the amount of free states and slave states because the idea was that the North was okay and they could, they could turn a blind side to um, a blind eye to slavery as long as the amount of slave states and the amount of free states stayed equal. So if there were eleven states free, there had to be eleven slave states. Um, and so then the Fugitive Act was created um, 
after the Missouri Compromise and the Kansas Nebraska Act, which um, officialized that nothing below or nothing above the 3630 line, uh, latitude line in the United States um, would be a slave state. And so that's in the Missouri, middle of Missouri. That's Missouri Compromise. Um, and then the Fugitive Slave Act, that shit didn't really work out well historically. It was just kind of uh, had a lot of loopholes to it. So they replaced it with the Fugitive Slave Act. And along with the Fugitive Slave Act, it implemented that um, slave patrols within the North had to take action when um, fugitives from the South ran away from slavery into the North to become freed. They had to bring them back to the South. And as well as for civilians, if civilians saw um, a fugitive running to the North to be freed, or they were um, un lawfully pardoned per se, uh, they had to bring them back to the, uh, to the South, to their rightful plantation, thus enforcing the North to be involved in slavery. Thus it became the tipping point for, um, the civil war. Wow. Oh, and also if you were a civilian and you didn't, um, you know, return, return them. I make it sound like a library book. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but if you, um, didn't follow along, you know, the Fugitive Slave Act law, um, you were really heavily fined and you could be jailed for a very long time. So. Wow. So that incentivized people to follow the law, basically. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> and also to be involved in it, which was the North's deal not to. Okay. Um, speak, speaking on that, so in a sense, you're saying it wasn't the fact that Lincoln didn't want slavery. It was more the fact that he just didn't want to look at it. He didn't want to be, he didn't want to be exposed to it. Mm -hmm. He wanted it to be under the rug, not none of his business. But the fact that it was his business and the fact that he wasn't gaining taxes off mm -hmm. his business... He was right. like, no, we'll, we need to dismantle it. So that breaks, that, that, that explodes people's minds. Right, yeah. It's very much coming to them. Me and NK have been speaking about this personally, and it's also been, at least on our social media feeds, it's being exposed that Lincoln was not like this white savior that people think he was. He was just literally like the holes, like, I'm tired of this grandpa. Like, he was, he was out. Fuera. <laughs> but yeah, um... Speaking on defunding the police, I think it's it's needed because since since that is its roots, that means it's those those mindsets are still mm -hmm. there, are still there. So I think it, it comes mm -hmm. from a corrupt place initially and like it continued to evolve and stay prevalent throughout such powerful um times of um initial liberation for black people through like reconstruction and etc um yeah honestly and the fact that people i think okay one thing people don't realize it's our right it's it's your right for liberty justice for life liberty and pursuit life, of happiness yeah all that and the fact that i feel like a lot of black citizens don't believe that it's being upheld by the police. I think that that's why it should be defunded and taken away mm -hmm. because that's one of our constitutional rights. Correct. And the fact that it is, that means we can revolt. Yeah. If your uh, rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness are not being fulfilled, you have every single right to overthrow the government in which it pertains that they are not giving those rights to you. To act on, to act on it. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the constitution, 
one thing people need to really realize is it was written so long ago mm-hmm. that it's intended that it's intended um is intended use isn't being used the way it is. Uh-huh. Like like just let's say um probably to George Washington and all of them it wasn't including it wasn't including everybody. George Washington was the first president. Wrong person. Fuck, who who wrote it? Um It was a ton of people. It was um Thomas Jefferson who Thomas wrote Jefferson. it with, along with like Alexander Hamilton, oh, and then yeah, 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 John yeah, yeah. Adams, yeah. Those people. They weren't they weren't even thinking about slaves and stuff like that to be free, not even women. They were property. And, exactly. So we need to just think about that when we Wonderful think. book, by the way. They were her property. Talks about how white women had an implication along with in slavery. Read it. It's good. Fair enough. Oh. Speaking on the Constitution, there's so many things wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Especially the 13th Amendment. Well, the 13th Amendment isn't a part of the Constitution. The 13th Amendment is part of a bunch of separate laws. Um, so there's the... Uh, Constitution, there's the Declaration of Independence, and then there's the amendments. And I don't even know how many fucking amendments there are. Um, but the 13th Amendment was sta- uh, was made in uh, 1860, yes, 1865, and it followed with the 14th and 15th Amendment. And those were supposed to be essentially like the slave freeing amendments. Y'all have rights. Go on, have fun, be on your way. Um, but the 13th Amendment is the one that I am. Um, most well acquainted with and with the 13th amendment it states that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment of crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the united states or any place subject to subject to their jurisdiction so what it's saying there through the old english is it saying if we break it down neither slavery nor um or uh, sl- um any um servitude that you have not volunteered to do um can exist within the United States unless it's a punishment for a crime. That leads to me, that leads to me thinking like, huh, where is it where there's a shit ton of, there's a shit ton of prisoners, right? Mm-hmm. In prisons, <laughs> in, in prisons. And it's just, it's been, um, a constant, um, oh, for lack of a better term, it just, um, it's just been a consistent um, thing. Let's just go with thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Within the United States that has been followed since um, slavery through Reconstruction, that you see through examples, through Reconstruction, through vagrancy laws, through convict leasing, through the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986, through um, the uh, Violent Crime and Control Act of 1991, um, through um, stop and frisk, through uh, broken windows theory, through um, the school-to-prison pipeline, and through... Um, no child left behind, all that, et cetera, et cetera. It is, um, just a, um, what's it called? Uh, um, gateway uh, pathway. Yeah. Like those, um, those, um, it's just a conveyor belt essentially to move United States civilians into prisons. Um, in a sense, keeping slavery continuous, Mm -hmm. which is very integral for large capitalistic, um, uh, companies to rely on. I mean, uh, companies that rely on um, prison labor are companies like Victoria's Secret, Target, Starbucks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, they are very, very large corporations that are money and power hungry. Exactly. So that's 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 the thing that blows me is the fact that there's so much 
There's so much prisons. There's so much people in there. And they're all, in a sense, working for free. Working on what? Pennies on the hour? Yeah, pennies. Literally. <laughs> so they're literally, ha- it's literally slavery again. There's so much work that's being put in. Mm-hmm. There's so much, there's so much labor. There's so much human labor that's being put in that's making so much money. That's going where? It's not going. not to work, not, not to work places that's needed. Right. We, the United States completely relies on uh, private prisons. And if private prisons were to be abolished from the United States, um, there would be an entire economic fall because it's not only is it that large businesses um, that are materialistic businesses, like I say, like Victoria's Secret rely on, rely on it, but it's also um, governments that rely on it, you know? And so it's prison labor is the complete backbone to the United States of America and to its um, functionality exactly and that's that's why there's still there's it's so hard for people to get out mm-hmm. there's it's so hard for people to get out it's so hard for people to even to even stay out of it mm-hmm. so when when they do leave let's say they run your plates huh he's a convicted felon he was just in prison hmm he's probably doing something bad right taking him right back and moreover when you are a criminal um, along with the 13th, 14th, 5th, 15th Amendment, when you become criminalized, it takes away your human rights. You can't vote. One in four black men in Alabama cannot vote because of prior um, felony convictions. It's not only um, enslaving you, but it is a practice of dehumanization so you cannot be a functional citizen within the United States. Um, and I saw a tweet, and I would hope <laughs> that it's um, backed up, that it said that uh, we have so many people in prison that if they were able to regain the right to vote, it could completely um, sway a um, an election. That's exactly why they're keeping them in. Mm-hmm. Why there are so many new laws like, um, for example, uh, <clears throat> for example, the three strike law, the war on drugs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's why it's that's why they're that's why they're there to hold people down. And that's why I feel like since police, since police push that type of stuff, since mm-hmm. they police it, there needs to be a change because it's inherently mm-hmm. set up against people of minority races. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Speaking on that, that leads me to think on of reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Whole time. Wait, explain it more. All right. So, um, reconstruction was during the times of 1863 to around 1877, and it was right after um, slavery when uh, freed people, specifically black people in this case, uh, were able to find a newfound freedom. And as um, W.E.B. Du Bois uh, describes it, as that it was a brief moment in the sun because the more that black people were able to um, gain financial freedom, um, an example, because there was an uprising or there was a more prevalence in um, black churches, black schools, um, originations of HBCUs started, black Wall Street, um, uh, black neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this whole like F-U-B-U for us, by us, not not me. Um, <laughs> I want to clarify. Um, but the more that they were able to become autonomous and independent, the more that white people wanted to clamp down on them and gain that sec- regain that exactly. security because they were in what? Fear. Exactly. That's that's that puts me towards another thing where people are like, hey, black people should just pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They, like they have. Want, they shouldn't want handouts and all that stuff. But given the chance to quotations, pull ourselves up from the brutes. Boot slap straps, sure. <laughs> boot straps, whatever the fuck. 
that's, that's such a stupid saying. I hate that saying so much. But since they should pull themselves up by the bootstraps, given the chance, they did. Mm-hmm. There was. And it was sabotaged. Exactly. By people like KKK and things of mm-hmm. that 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 nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, an example um, through of sabotage, um, the Freedmen's Bureau, which is where the 40 acres and a mule comes in. N- correct, but also not necessarily correct. It was um, the Freedmen's Bureau was able to give freed people um, 30 to 50 acres of plantation and sometimes a mule. But I, I mean, hey, the average of 30 to 50 is 40, so works um but then president andrew johnson who was the president directly after lincoln um revoked that so all um plantation land that was now in the name of these free people by the way those plantations were usually the plantations that they had just worked on um was now given back to the pardoned slave masters and the free people were forced to work on it um or they were kicked off and um if they if you're kicked off you don't have land right therefore you're a fugitive mm-hmm and um, if they refused um, to be kicked off their land, they would be forcibly, uh, forcibly removed by the military. Note about this time period in the South is that it was still really heavily scarred by economic dislocation because um, the cotton craze, which was um, quoted as uh, King Cotton, was the largest um, and most successful enterprise within the, uh, within the South ever, moreover, the United States. So now that that had been completely removed, um, they were in a ton of economic uh, dislocation. So um, what happened was, um, like I said, convict leasing, black codes, vagrancy laws. So what it did is um, it would um, uh, incarcerate black Americans for minor charges and employ them into labor systems like, uh, or excuse me, uh, labor systems, like I just mentioned, um, convict leasing and um, black codes and vagrancy laws, uh, which were implemented to require um, former slaves into yearly labor contracts and um, or else they would be jailed for vagrancy. And otherwise, from that part, they would be fined. And if vagrants could not pay off the fine, they would be sold to someone who could and they'd be forced to work off the fine. And if they were tried to run away, they would be recaptured and forced to work with no compensation while wearing balls and chains. And uh, vagrancy laws also allowed for black children to be auctioned away from their families. So thus, many of them became subject to physical and sexual abuse once again that was prevalent through slavery um so yeah that um with uh vagrancy laws and convict leasings uh those are some of the first uh documented times of homelessness within america and um some of the first homeless people were black people because they were freed people who had lost their land through the freedmen's bureau and uh, convict leasing, thus through the 13th Amendment, um, they could be punished with crime. And that, meant that me- meant that their right to voting could be taken away. Jesus. If you're, if you're of age, go vote. Yes. Go vote. Because that's the easiest way to create change. Not even speaking on voting for the, for the presidency and all that. Not even, not even all that. But at least vote local. Right, your representatives, your officials. I don't know how it works, but yeah, things of that nature. Okay, what's next? Um, so then, after Reconstruction, I mean, there were many things that happened along after those lines. You see a lot of um, you see through um, 
the um, black migration, you see white flight, you see redlining, um, you see um, things that um, this idea, um, you start seeing the Jim Crow, you start seeing Jim Crow laws, you start seeing the KKK, um, you start seeing this ideal, or not this idealization, but this um, stigmatization push that black men were um, violent rapists towards white women. You see that again through the 1914 silent film, A Birth of a Nation, that was shown on the White House lawn. President Woodrow Wilson said, and I quote, it is like writing history with lightning and my only regret is that it's also terribly true. Um, so there's, and then you start seeing things along with that, um, into the future that we're talking about. We're talking about the Scottsboro boys. We're talking about the Groveland four. We're talking about, um, the Tulsa massacre. We're talking about, um, the central park jogger case. We're talking about Emmett Till, right? Let's, let's rewind back. Um, you were talking about the, before the, before the, oh, before the jogger case. Mm-hmm. That's the one you said before that. Um, uh, Tulsa massacre. Yes. Let's, let's speak on that. Basically, the Tulsa was basically Black Wall Street. Some people call it the Tulsa race riots, but mm-hmm. um, people who are descendants of it are like, hell no, that was a massacre. So if you look it up on Wikipedia, it might not come up as that, but the Tulsa race riot, but it is respectively known as the Tulsa massacre. Continue. Okay. Um, shoot. Yes, kind of where I was going. <laughs> Black Wall Street. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So basically in Tulsa, uh, Arizona, Arizona, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma, my bad. Um, you know what? We'll just skip all that. Could you explain it? Because isn't that where Black Wall Street and then they burned everything down, down right? Um, that honestly, I've watched like a nine minute documentary on it, but I don't remember a whole mo- um, whole ton on it. But essentially, it was a black neighborhood, of Black Wall Street, and it was completely burned down. Um, bodies were just thrown into unmarked graves, like just one big thing. Um, to this day, people don't know where their deceased relatives are. Um, it was just completely burned to the ground. It was a, a complete massacre. It was a act of terrorism huh and i was that covered on the news uh not really and it was because of they they targeted that specific area because it was um um an area of black empowerment but the reason why like what what was the tipping point the straw that broke the camel's back for the people who uh for the terrorists who created this um act of violence it was because of a rape charge another Another time, like you were saying, the Central Five, uh, uh, Central Park Jogger case, the Jogger case, where a group of how much six, five, five. six, five, five, well, four black dudes and one one Latino man, right? I thought it was that he was um, Puerto Rican and black. Oh, yeah, he both. Uh, Fine as hell too. Jesus Christ! But yeah, stand um, him. Basic. Basically, they were they were tried for for raping and murdering um, a white woman. A white woman no, she wasn't she, murdered. She wasn't murdered. No, it was attempted murder. Oh, She's still alive, attempted. But she doesn't remember anything, and she wrote a book about it, and she it just does not paint them in a good light. Even though that bitch doesn't remember anything, and the guy who actually raped her stepped forward because he felt bad. Wow. And it was all over the news. They're demon. They're demonizing the the young black, the young five black black boys. Well, yeah, I'm calling them black too. Okay, the young bl- five black boys. Mm-hmm. They were demon demonizing even even Trump. Even Trump jumped on his side. Oh yeah, he wanted them to um he wanted them to be put on death row. Meanwhile, some of these boys were uh, one of the boys was 16 years old and he was held in an adult prison. Jesus Christ, that's a ah, that's another thing. Where black people put it are put in are put bonds against. They're put in a light that is meant to make them seem like they are no longer adolescents. 
they lose their specifically black men but as well as black women but you see most times within media whether it's what they portray whether it's the relevance etc that um where they black, add they add certain things here and there just right. to like it will be a white girl but it will be a black man like black boys lose their uh, infancy and their um adolescence at a very very young age before they even come of age like black, uh, black boys do not get the um the privilege of being a black boy in society it's a whole another it's a whole another thing too oh my god there's so much What was the thing Trump said? He said a lot of shit. That is that is a true statement. That is a true statement. He was like, they should really. You said that they sh- he should they should all receive the, the death death sentence. Pe- death sentence death sentence and there were what did you say? You, they should super be, predators. Are we yeah. About that? Okay, so um, super predators is a term that was used within around the 1990s because after. Um, we may get back to this. Who knows? Lord, I don't know. Um, but within the 1990s, I think there was a string about a, of about three Republicans. And with the um, Southern strategy happening about um, four decades prior, um, Demo- uh, um, American politics were not really in Democrat. Uh, we're not really in Democratic favor. And so how Democrats were able to revoke that was that they started using a tough on crime approach which bill clinton heavily utilized as well as um his first lady at the time uh, hillary clinton and um hillary clinton said this is almost verbatim um and i quote these are the type of children that are known as super predators no moral no conscience so it was describing these black children as um children just with no empathy with no brain to understand uh, human conscience and morality. Um, so it immediately criminalized them. And you see those through um, cases like the Central Park Jogger case or the case of Robert Yummy Sendifer, which many people don't know was an 11 year old gang member in Chicago who was fatally shot in the back of his head by his own gang members who were around 16 years old. They were brothers and they later recounted to say that they were forced to do it or else they'd get shot too. And they saw him like a, a, a brother and that it was one of the worst moments in their life. Jeez. Rest in peace, yummy. Yeah. He was like three nine. Jesus Christ! So he was actually a child. Yes, he he drove cars though, and he stole purses, and he was kind of a bad bitch in my opinion. Jesus Christ! There was a span of three Republicans. Mm-hmm. Basically, one thing I can remember from all that was they were really hard on drugs. Correct. Which, in my opinion, makes no sense because in that time period, that was where that's where drugs were changed. They were, cause that wasn't that. After okay, it was after hippies, and then it was going into that that like time period where they're like drugs are bad, drugs are evil. They demonized, criminalized, and as well. There's another word I was trying to think. <laughs> dehumanized. Dehuman. There it is, and dehumanized drugs, making people who did them instead of people instead of addicts that needed help, they changed them into. Criminals who lacked moral fortitude. Exactly. And yeah, can you go, um, who are the three um, presidents? It was Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, I don't know. <laughs> and then the person after. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a time, it was um, 
1971, Richard Nixon um, stated that America's public enemy number one was um, was drug abuse. And um, so, yes, in 1971, Richard Nixon announced that America's public enemy number one was drug abuse. I'm pretty sure that's verbatim as well. Um, and so that created, it started to create the stigma. It's still prominent because he was the person who announced it, but it really started to implement itself within Ronald Reagan. But I believe there was a break between Ronald Reagan. I don't, I honestly forget my presidents after Johnson. Yeah, I really just, who's the 16th, right? So <laughs> we're out. Um, and, uh, but there was Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter was able to legalize um, weed up to one ounce. So if you were caught with one ounce, I don't, I think, this is the law that you um, wouldn't get penalized, which is great, wonderful, stunning. Um, but then comes along Ronald Reagan with Nancy, Re uh, First Lady Nancy Reagan, who created the Just Say No campaign, which is now known today as the D.A.R.E. program. Um, and within um, between, I believe it's 1985, they were able to um, increase the fear of drugs from around 2 to 6% to 64% by 1989. So whole time, nobody cared nobody cared and it was it was specifically a ploy um to um incarcerate and to um villainize black people and also hippies but specifically black people um with um i can pull up the quote um by uh john ehrlichman family denies it but we have a quote so um he stated that and i quote the nixon campaign in 1968 and the nixon white house after that had two enemies the anti-war left and black people you understand what i'm saying we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black but by getting the public to associate hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin holy shit i i remember seeing a video yeah there's a wow and, and they tried to deny it yeah, their family denies that he said this. Um, and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. And the thing is, this has been uh, that statement of them vilifying, uh, breaking, up their, um, breaking up their meetings, vilifying them on the news, that hadn't been something that they hadn't already been doing beforehand through governmental legislations because that was happening through the COINTELPRO programs as well. Um, and that was, the COINTELPRO program was created in around, I believe it was, um, yep, 1956 by the FBI. And in the FBI's own words, the purpose of this new counterintelligence endeavor is to expose, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, or otherwise neutralize activities of black nationalist organizations and groupings and leadership, spokesmen, memberships, and supporters. Um, so what the COINTELPRO program did was um, they surveilled um, radicalist, revolutionary um, groups. Such as such Tupac, not my bad. Wrong word. <laughs> no, I know where you're coming from because it was Asada Shakur. And yeah. he, she's Tupac's godfather. Yeah. godmother. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, and uh, they targeted people like Martin Luther King Jr., John Lennon. Um, they also targeted Asada Shakur, Ku uh, Kwame Ture, who you also may know as Stokely Carmichael. I believe they um, targeted Angela Davis as well. They also targeted environmentalist groups, um, human um, animalist, animal, human society. Animal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Animal, Society groups, um, 
also they targeted the KKK, which is just one that's like on the complete opposite spectrum. Um, and one of the things that was under the COINTELPRO program was the ghetto informant program, where they had people who would not be seen as suspicious, specifically black people, go into areas that were well known, especially also during reconstruction, like black barbershops, black libraries, etc. They would go there and any black person or any person in that bar specific area, i.e. barbershop, etc., um, was speaking about revolutionary um, ideas or um, aligning themselves with um, the Black, Ban uh, Black Panther Party or even communism, um, as Angela Davis, in Angela Davis's case, um, they would arrest them on site. If y'all didn't know, this is an episode, not, I'm not talking much, just I'm just, sorry. Just, that that just doesn't fly. feel right. It's good. That doesn't feel it's, right. It's I feel good. like a white savior. You you know what you're talking about. That's, that's all that's all that matters. Oh, I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, that Oh also going the, hold on, wait, wait. Going back to what you were saying about the they were made to vil, vil, vilify. Vilify Disrupt all leaders. everywhere. Everywhere. Especially the news. That's that's where that's where my anger stems from because like every time i watch the news it's always something different mm -hmm. and the way that they the way that they especially when they described it mm -hmm. was the part that that was be the part that irritated me and the thing is like the COINTELPRO program officially ended in 1971 but the COINTELPRO program uh used tactics like infiltration and psychological warfare fireworks um uh, and harassment through the illegal uh, through the legal system and illegal force and undermining public opinion um so those tactics um specifically that were used almost fully in replication of the COINTELPRO program have been seen as early as 2014 through Black Lives Matter activists because f people's phones are being tapped and etc. So it's like the COINTELPRO program may have officially ended but it is still largely prevalent within the Black Lives Matter movement today and black power movements and etc. There's another thing where we were, we were talking where um, about the FBI, where they tried to they try to write um, a suicide letter for Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. That was the first. <laughs> let me read. Let me say it again. The FBI made a fake suicide letter. They blackmailed him. For Martin Luther King. Junior. Junior. And they wrote it in first person. So, like, they were trying to blackmail him or, like, I don't know, eventually, like, kill him and then put it as a suicide. Which, I mean, we're still seeing today through the amount of Ferguson protesters that were found dead in their car and they're putting it as a suicide. People getting hanged. And putting it as a suicide. Nobody hanged themselves! <laughs> oh, my God! Murder. In the past, like, two weeks, there's been, like, eight hangings. Lynchings. Lynchings. And they've been all shown as suicides. All been classified. How can you classify a suicide that quickly is the question. Because you can't even classify a murder that quickly, apparently. Well, I mean, it, uh, as far as they do it for black people. It takes them a hot minute to figure out what the <laughs> fuck's going on. <sighs> Anti-drug abuse act? Yeah. Alright, so then... Moving along, we did backtrack a little bit with the COINTELPRO program. We skipped about a little, you know, just 30 years. 30 my, years. my math may be wrong. <laughs> um, but then you see through uh, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act. So um, you have 1971, you have um, Nixon stating that. You have John Ehrlichman um, stating that through Nixon, but he also worked with Reagan in 1960. Uh, 
1986, I mixed around the numbers. Um, it was signed by Reagan. It allocated around $1.7 to the drug war, which is about $3.7 billion to, uh, in 2019, and it created mandatory minimum sentences. So you have to carry out 80% of your sentences um, for you to be legible. No, because legible is writing. Eligible? eligible eligible there we go um for bail um and so the anti-drug abuse act brought in sentencing disparities between different kinds of drugs and also subsequently between different types of people within the united states because cocaine was um with the iran contra war if we want to get into it and the infiltration of drugs with the cia and through the department of public defense um uh crack cocaine or just cocaine in general um was more wide or more in areas widespread sure um in areas that have been redlined with uh, um national housing act of 1934 which was under franklin delano roosevelt's new deal program um and then crack was more available in higher um wealthier neighborhoods that were subsequently more white um and so then came sentencing disparities. So um, although crack is less expensive, and despite the misconceptions which you see through like crack baby or the cocaine baby or crackhead um, type shit, um, crack and cocaine have the same chemical composition, the same set of, uh, side effects, and also the same effect on the fetus. Um, but with the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, carrying five grams of crack received a five-year minimum sentence, but you'd have to carry about 100 times the amount of cocaine, which would be 500 grams, in order to receive a, fi a five-year sentence. So thus, the peniological ratio of crack to cocaine is therefore 100 to 1. And the inequalities of crack sentencing disproportionately affected lower-income people of color. And then you start to get into Bill Clinton. Well, it, Ronald Reagan did a shit ton more, but I mean, like, because by the time of, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, Reagan's campaign, um, the amount of people in jail was around 200,000. But today we have over 2 million people in jail. Um, the United States has the largest incarceration rate with one in four people in jail being in American jail and around one in 25 people in America being in jail, which is an equivalent to about one in every classroom. Wow. I'm going to remember this stat. And we're gonna say it again on our on our prison to pipeline episode. Stay, oh, stay, stay, stay tuned for that one too. But on oh God, I'm about to ask Siri. But after Ronald Reagan, I believe it was uh, Bill Clinton. Who was after Ronald Reagan? Oh, it was Bush. George. Oh. Oh, it was, it was H. W. Bush. Then it was Clinton, and then it was Bush again. Okay. But it was his son. Um. So then that that was the other Republican. Oh, yeah, it was Bush. Okay, okay, okay. So it was okay. Nixon, and th who had two terms, I believe, and then Reagan, who had two terms, and then Bush, who had two terms. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so they was... They was 860. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So then it comes in Bill Clinton, our little saxophone guy, and... That's um, like... That's almost three decades. Is it? I'm bad at math. 16. 24. Jesus. Christ. Bro, that's like somebody's like entire adolescence, and like more... And then they're adults. <laughs> okay, we'll continue. So, I'm glad I looked that up. Um, so then after uh, Ronald Reagan, it was George H.W. Bush. Kind of already get the idea. Um, and then after that, it was Bill Clinton, who was the first Democrat in tw about 24 years since Jimmy Carter. And um, so he, again, like I stated, took, uh, took the tough on crime approach. And he passed the 1991... Uh, Violent Crime and Control Act. It's a very long name. There probably is a little bit more to that. Most people just call it the 1991 Crime Act. And um, with the 1991 uh, Crime Act, um, 
it created um, the three strikes law. So, um, but also it increased, um, um, it limited college education available in prisons, first of all. Um, it increased police presence and militarization, and it created over 60 new death penalty offenses which one of which was the three strikes law. So the three strikes law imposed that anyone with three or more felonies was considered a habitual offender. And this was created after the rape and I think death of 12 year old poly class. It's K-L-A-A-S if anybody's interested. And then poly like poly pocket. Um, so um, was a habitual offender and they were forced to serve life in prison without parole. Um, so the three strikes law mainly affected people with nonviolent charges. Um, and it heavily fueled mass incarceration. And after Clinton's presidency, like I said, the United States had the highest incarceration rate in the world. Um, and in 2000, prison admissions for drug offenses for black people were more than 26 times at the level in 1983, which was one year before Reagan. Um, so um, federal crime laws like the three strikes law as a part of the 1994 Violent Crime and Control and Law Enforcement Act, it continued to fuel mass incarceration into modern day. Um, so, and that's where we have, you know, the largest prison population in the world. One in four of pe um, people incarcerated in the world are in American prison, and about one in 25 people in America are in jail. Jesus. Which is equivalent to one in, a, one in every classroom, which is important to know. Again, another episode. But Which I uh, would love to be on, so. Because, <laughs> girl, I know too much. Jeez. But I know we kind of took a long walk away from defunding the police. We took the scenic route. Yeah. Yeah. It looked, it looked nice. I hope y'all enjoying it. But yeah, should we defund the police? Yes. 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 There's, there's so at, much. At bare minimum. Because how much you, you had the you had the number. It's not 200 billion. It's like 115 billion. Yeah. One, yeah. 115 <laughs> billions. Billion. $115 to the police force, but yet teachers are buying their own school supplies out of their own pocket. But yet police are getting riot gear supplied to them by the government. Bitch, why can't you make them buy that out of pocket? It's probably on Amazon. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, wow. Yeah, they should be defunded. Because of all... And eventually abolished. Maybe not that far. I... Angela Davis said so, and I trust her. <laughs> but yeah, because they okay, they should be defunded because there's because of all the things we've named. There have been they have been that's all clownery they did. Yeah, they've been carried out by police. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And the thing is, like, <laughs> sorry if I'm interrupting your thought process, but the thing is, when you have you have to look at um in my opinion you have to look at police as how it is which is a wheel a part of a corrupt corporate machine it's only one wheel of the machine that possibly could even work without it you know um and corruption to still be alive and um present within the entire machine because it works hand in hand with school to prison pipelines it works hand in hand with um with the judicial system and through government it works hand in hand with the prison industrial complex like for example um especially through terms of intersectionality again speaking on um i was watching an interview with angela davis last night and she was um talking about the importance of intersectionality within this because for example um i got this from uh, the documentary the uh, 13th which is available on netflix it was uh 
co-written with Michelle Alexander, who wrote The New Jim Crow. Um, I believe that's the name of the book. Um, anyways, if you look up Michelle Alexander, if you're interested, the book will come up. Um, and it's that um, this may not be the correct diction because I don't fully understand like governmental official shit but there's a program called ALEC and ALEC writes um laws for um the government specifically Republicans um it's essentially just like the blueprint like the rubric like there was literally a guy in Minnesota and he was trying to pass like an environmental law and he's a Republican and the Democrat asked him they were like is this your law and he was like of course it is how dare you discredit my work and he's like well I'm asking because you forgot to take ALEC off the top and the thing is, ALEC was the same um, company that created the Stand Your Ground law, which was the law that got George Zimmerman off acquitted for Trayvon Martin's death. Um, and um, the two largest supporters um, and for ALEC, and it is also reciprocated, is private prisons and ICE. So in, you have to also work intersectionally along with this because this easily translates into immigration rights and issues. And that just becomes even of a larger playing field. Like it is all so comprehensive and all so corrupt and is the corruptness is in or corrupt. I don't know that that should be a word um, is just in almost every single facet of everybody's everyday life or at least minorities everyday life. Hmm. Speaking of, of... Watch the 13th, it's amazing. Yeah. If you have the ability with Netflix. Otherwise, pirate it. I don't know. One, Do two, three movies. You'll be fine. On God. Um, but yeah, speaking on, on another topic about defunding the police, they should, because of all these killings of unarmed black people, shouldn't still be a thing. And even if they are, damn, de-escalation. We only... Um, in a police force, in the limited amount of hours that there is a police training, only 10% of it is given to de-escalation. I've seen videos, now Canada has its own issues with police brutality, so I'm not saying that they don't, but I saw a video in Canada where a man was suicidal, I don't remember if he was white or not, but he was suicidal and he had a gun to his head and they were able to de-escalate him and able for him to put the, uh, the gun down because the amount of time that they put to de-escalation techniques within their training is tons and tons more time than we place in america so it's just like damn side topic even if they are not armed bitch you could do better <laughs> yeah uh, let me speak on on flando castillo that died mm-hmm. a few years ago yeah, in july 6th 2016 in saint anthony minnesota falcon heights fuck fuck you know we'll, we'll edit this part out too is that right by St. Anthony? Girl, it's um, over by... Um, it's on Larpenter and Fry. It's over by the Falcon Heights intersection where there's, like, the Dino's and then there's the um, Pizza Hut. Then why were... They were... What the fuck? Huh. My dance studio was over by there. They burnt down somewhere... Not they burnt down. They, they had a protest somewhere over that side. And they were like... Was it at the school that he used to work at? Yeah, it is what it is. I'll just edit all this out. Um, right off. It was literally like right on the intersection of St. Paul and Falcon Heights. I think Falcon Heights is still considered St. Paul because it's still Ramsey County. Um, I'll let me bring up uh, Philando Castile. Um, he was killed on July 6th, 2016. In St. Paul, Falcon Heights area. Mm-hmm. And one of the. Th- so. I'm not going to go too much into detail on what actually happened, 
But y'all should know what the fuck happened. Honestly, but yeah, he got shot. He got he got shot in his car. Uh, reaching for his um, wallet or some shit. He was yeah. He was reaching for his wallet. He said that he um, was licensed to carry, but he said um, but he was just letting him know that he had his gun on him and he was licensed to carry, but he was getting his wallet and they shot him. Okay. But they he. But yeah. Um, he was shot, and I was like, oh, it's probably just some another just white, just another white white dude. Fucking some racist white dude, but I looked into it. No, he wasn't white, and I was like, "Wow." Yeah, he was Latino. If you go down the logical area from this, because at first it was just white, just like white dudes, white dudes behind the badge can do whatever they want. They can kill whoever they want. They can kill black people whenever they want. But now, it's whoever is behind this badge. You can kill black people and you will get away with it. Anybody who carries a sentiment of anti-blackness can get away with you it. You will get away with it. And that's the that's the shit that blows me. Because at first it was there's there's just racism it's just racism just with white people, but no, it's just the whole system of it. Mm-hmm. And speaking on on having it being a whole system, there's so many accounts of this one thing that people don't really realize is there's so many accounts of police officers planting weed, planting drugs on cars. Mm-hmm. And especially cocaine. Like I said, the 100 to 1 ratio. I think it's 20 to 1 now, but bitch, it should be it's, 1 to 1. It's still a lot. Um, Susie just made a YouTube video about it. He was like, yeah, my sister, a YouTuber. Susie's, Susie is a black YouTuber who has like, Ooh. I think. See, I'm from, well, I went to school in St. Paul, so I thought you meant Susie, my little homeless girl. It, it, it is what it is. The one with dwarfism. <laughs> well, he has like 100, mil- like 100 million subscribers on YouTube or something like that. Yeah. 100 million? I don't know. I just That said would it. be more than anybody. I feel like I would know oh, him by then. Oh, it's probably like 14 million then. It's Billion? Like million. Oh. Some, some crazy shit. But yeah, he was like, his sister's, um, his... His sister's boyfriend, they got pulled over and then they told him to get out the car. And then they're like, no, why, 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 why are you doing so much? They're like, okay, can we search your car? They said, yes, they got out. And then they searched. They were like, we found heroin in your car. You're going to jail. And I was like, and then he was like, oh, really? He doesn't smoke. (laughs) He He doesn't even smoke weed. So. Just the fact that that those those type of things happen blows my mind. Also, who's gonna hide? Just think about that. Even if he does get off, even if they they do get off, that's on his record now. Mm-hmm. That's that's who's gonna hire someone that had a had a heroin charge. Right. So, shit, shit, unethical behavior like that is why it's why it blows me that police still have all this power above the law. Uh, speaking on on unnecessary powers police officers have they could turn off their body cameras there was so many there was so many uh counties that are like no we can't have these we can't have these body cameras and they so- get mad when you like you say you have to have them on oh pee pee poo poo oh my god like you, you don't want to be a cam girl <laughs> jesus christ why don't you want the why don't you want the camera on are you doing something that right. you don't want people to look is, is that is that what it is? Camera and- shy, bitch boo. <laughs> Girl boo. Oh. And even even on that level, think about all the shit that wasn't captured. Oh, yeah. The amount of people who haven't received justice. 
and now and now I feel like every time let's say any like let's say I got pulled over if I ever got pulled over I'm always I'm a, shit sorry for sorry for the audio <laughs> I'm always have my camera on I'm I'm always have my camera on mm-hmm. and I feel like that's just so you know speaking of this is technically illegal in Minnesota it is what it is I have my cross let me let me protect my vehicle you can't have dice in the mirror like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um where was I going with this? Body camera. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> There's such a fight against body cameras, and I'm, it makes me wonder about all people that weren't caught on camera. Yeah, like Breonna Taylor. I think that genuinely, like, I I love that people are rallying behind her, but I feel like, and I, a uh, comparison is a thief of happiness. I don't know, but like, I feel like the reason that <laughs> I don't know that was the first thing that's popped into my head. I've also been thinking that a lot recently. But continue. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, like I don't want to compare cases or anything, so I'm a, I'm gonna just leave it blank. But I feel that Brianna Taylor would honestly be getting a lot more recognition if one, she wasn't a woman, and then two, it was on tape. It was on tape. It wasn't on tape. Oh, it wasn't. Okay, okay. <sighs> Meanwhile, isn't her boyfriend being held for attempted murder because he shot back? What the. F- Oh Meanwhile, my. only one's been fired. The fuck, man! This shit, this shit blows me. And they're just they're being held above the law, bro. Literally. So, and like you said, like who you gonna call the police on? The police? Like, is it's immediately like a dead end? Like, oh shit, what the hell are we gonna do now? And even when you do, let's say you do call a complaint, they just file it under as a racial complaint, um, just a complaint against a citizen, right? And then it's just never seen out again. Like in the George Floyd incident, uh, Derek Chauvin, 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 whatever the fuck his name is, fuck that bitch. had like what, 21 cases of race? I thought race- it was like 18. That's close. I just threw out a number. I literally just shit out a number. And also like the thing is like he had shot at people beforehand. Like he tried, like he shot and almost killed another guy and he was Hispanic. And like the guy, sp- well, Latinx or Latino. And like the guy spoke out. I didn't read the article, but I remember I retweeted it. But like he's shot at people before like damn if you are that trigger happy you should not be in the police and especially like with the militarization of the police like bro that's a whole another thing but give him a stick not <laughs> but yeah give him a um a star wars sword that you get when you're like four jesus i don't even know what the fuck you're talking about but <laughs> the, um the Jew. okay <laughs> let me keep fanning myself with this top line federal credit union um but yeah um they're oh yeah that's i remember where i was going um they have a bad when they have a badge on they're protected Mm -hmm. so even if they were to be tried they're not going to be sentenced because they have a badge Mm -hmm. and that's them above the law exactly and that's why i think they should be at least defunded so they could at least get the same treatment as teachers (laughs) Teachers, bro. Be literally def- <sighs> And again, there's a whole ton of about there's a whole ton of problems within the education system, like within the school to prison pipeline. But again, still the fact that 
they have to pay out of pocket. It's just like, child, that is out of pocket. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I saw this tweet, and this kind of really, this kind of doesn't, but it's still a valid point. It's just that, especially, like, with police being protected by, like, the criminal justice system, I saw this tweet, and it's by Brie Newsom. She's verified, so I hope that means something good. And she said, y'all realize that the lowest level crimes committed by the poorest people receive the heavily, heaviest policing, right? Again, with my statement of that, you know, areas with higher, or the area richer areas or wealthier areas aren't um more safe because they have more policing it's because they have more resources so let me start from the top y'all realize that the lowest level crimes committed by the poorest people receive the heavy heaviest policing right and that the wealthiest most powerful people who are committing crimes against humanity aren't policed heavy because they own the police i hope we all realize this so it's like yeah of course they're not going to go against their own because they own them this, you know that one meme of Spider-Man and he, they stand at each other? Like, that, that's what's going on. Ah, <sighs> So, that was a long 30, 40 minutes of me saying, yes, we should defund the police. Thank y'all <laughs> like, for... Like, literally, simple. I just like, yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank y'all for listening. I appreciate y'all for real, for real. Yeah, stay up. Yep, stay blessed. <laughs>